Good morning, church. We open your Bibles with me to Luke chapter 20, verse 45, and we're going to read through 21, verse 4. It's page 1636, 1636. As Jesus looked up, he saw, oh, I'm sorry, we'll start in the right place, <laughs> chapter 2045. While all the people were listening, Jesus said to his disciples, Beware of the teachers of the law. They like to walk around in flowing robes and love to be greeted with respect in the marketplaces and have the most important seats in the synagogues and places of honor at banquets. They devour widows' houses and for a show make lengthy prayers. These men will be punished most severely. As Jesus looked up, he saw the rich putting their gifts into the temple treasury. He also saw a poor widow put in two very small copper coins. Truly I tell you, he said, this poor widow has put in more than all the others. All these people gave their gifts out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in all that she had to live on. This is the word of the Lord. There was once a wealthy businesswoman on her way to a conference, and she was at the airport, and she had a layover. She was stuck in the airport for a few hours. And so in order to waste time, she did what a lot of us would do. And she went to the gift shop and she purchased a magazine to read and a bag of chips to munch on. And she walked through the airport to find a gate and a, and a comfy lounge to sit in. You've got to find the comfy lounge to waste time in the airport, right? And she sat down and just decided to wait. And as the day went on, the lounge began to fill up. And of course, someone came and sat right next to her. And she couldn't help but notice that the man who sat next to her was dressed kind of shabbily, and he was kind of scruffy, and he didn't smell so nice. But she, she didn't move because that would be really rude to get up and leave, right? And so she popped open her bag of chips, and she set it next to her, and she began to page through her magazine. And before long, she noticed that after she would take a chip out of her bag, the man also would take a chip out of her bag and eat this chip. And so she's sitting here reading this magazine thinking, like, what do I do? Like, what, what kind of person eats my chips? Who's, who is this crazy man eating my chips? So she, she doesn't want to cause a scene, so she just kind of deals with it. And she eats a chip, and he eats a chip, and go back and forth. Well, pretty soon the man pulls out the very last whole chip in the bag. And she looks at him like, man... You eat my last chip? And he smiles at her, and he cracks it in half, and he gives her one half, and he eats the other. At this point, she's done, right? Like, this, this man is crazy. I don't want to deal with this. I'm out. So she got up and left and went and found another seat and reached in her bag for her cell phone, only to find the familiar crinkle of a chip bag. 
Evidently, she wasn't the one sharing her chips. She'd been eating his chips the whole time. We as people love to judge each other, right? We look at the way people are dressed, the way that they act, the way that they smell even. We pay attention to every detail about them because we want to know what kind of people they are, right? You want to know what kind of jobs they have, how much money they make. You want to know what they believe. You want to know what they do when people aren't watching. We're trying to decide if we should trust them, if we are better than them, if we should like them. In this story, the pride of this businesswoman told her that there was no way that she could be the one at fault in this situation, right? She was certainly so much better than this dirty man, and there's no way. Pride told her that she was superior in this situation. And on the other hand, humility told this man, who maybe had nothing but that bag of chips to share, that it was okay to share even his last chip with this stuck-up lady next to him. Now, this would be a misconception, right? Both of them sort of had misjudgments about the other. And often, misconceptions about each other can lead to some pretty big consequences. Now, in this case, the consequences aren't that big of a deal, right? This woman's a little bit embarrassed, maybe a little sheepish, and, and the man probably has some hurt feelings because this woman clearly was judging me right? But sometimes there's some really big consequences for the way that we view each other. And when we look through our own eyes and rely on what we see, we're looking through sinful eyes, right? We're looking through our own experiences, our own ideas, and quite often we're very wrong about what we see and what we perceive, and there can be consequences. Think about the family members of those who followed men like Jim Jones, cult leaders, men who were trusted and ended up deeply hurting people, leading people into terrible paths. Think about people who trusted men like Bernie Madoff and lost everything. Think about people who trusted leaders and helped them get into power, leaders like Hitler or Saddam Hussein. They trusted these men. They helped them rise to power only to find out later that what they had perceived about these men, what they thought their hearts were for, was dark and it was evil. Now last week, Pastor Dave talked about how throughout Jesus' entire ministry, he's constantly had this tension between the Jewish religious leaders and himself, right? They're constantly coming at him with these questions. They want him to say something that would contradict the law of Moses so that he would get into trouble. They're trying to corner him. And this last call this last situation was the last time that jesus warned them he's done warning them and he's finally passing judgment he says these men these teachers of the law will be most severely punished for the way that they've been been behaving he's drawing attention to some misjudgments some misconceptions that are happening in the temple courts Now, the scribes, or the teachers of the law that he addresses in today's passage, would have been at the absolute top of the social totem pole, okay? They literally wrote the law, and they taught the law. These are the guys that you want to be friends with. These are the people that you want to be invited to their homes. You have nothing but respect for them. In contrast, we've got a widow, okay? 
But Jesus comes after these scribes and he says, you walk around in robes trying to show everyone how religious you are. You pray out loud in the temple so that you look like you're supremely righteous. And you take what the widows have brought and use it for your own wealth. You're supposed to be taking care of widows and they have nothing. And you're rich. You, he says, you religious leaders will be punished most severely. Now to you and I, who have heard several sermons about how the religious leaders were prideful, this seems like an obvious thing, right? Finally, Jesus is condemning them and saying, I'm sick of this, you're done. But to the people in the temple courts, this would have been appalling. These are the men who, who helped me direct every part of my day. I, I trust them, I respect them, and you, you just threw them under the bus. And then he looks at this widow. And as we know, widows were at the bottom of the totem pole, right? They were poor and they were forgotten. They were treated as kind of like a burden because they had no assets, they had no property, nobody, they didn't have anything, any way to take care of them, and so everyone had to take care of them. And Jesus says, these, these scribes, these teachers of the law that you respect, need to come down here. Because they're prideful. And they're selfish. And these widows that are at the bottom that you forget, that you leave out on their own, their hearts are pure. And they need to go up here. Don't you see that your eyes have been wrong? You've been looking at this all wrong. The way that you perceived these two different groups of people was completely wrong. The problem in this text is a complete and total lack of discernment. People are judging each other and determining each other's wealth based on what they see and what they understand instead of relying on the Lord to help them see through his eyes the true nature of people's hearts. Now, this isn't a problem that only exists in the Bible, is it? We constantly misjudge each other or have misconceptions about each other when we trust our own eyes. And this week, as I was preparing for this sermon, I was really struggling to find an illustration that would help to display that. And so I had been talking to Pastor Gina about it, and she had a story that I would like her to come up and share with you. So um, at another church um, years ago, there was a man and he started to um, feel like there should be a Bible study. There should be a time of worship and prayer. And so he started to invite some people to gather on Friday nights to um, worship. And the group grew and they seemed to just have such a sweet time together. And this man would have uh, words of knowledge and he would have words of prophecy and people were really being encouraged and strengthened. And we visited occasionally, um, dropped into that gathering and anyway, and then went back a number, um, I don't know if it was months or a year or so later, and um, the room was packed out um, every week. The room was packed out, you know, 60 or more families, little children, teenagers, um, but all I can say is there was a little something that started to seem off. And um, in that, it seemed like that he was saying more and more things, and no one was testing it. 
there was no discernment process. Uh, and, and, you know, in retrospect, I wish that uh, I would have asked the Lord for more discernment myself because the fruit of what happened was that it, it became, and I don't know why, I don't know if this person had some insecurities and just wanted to be elevated um, and, and, you know, feel really important and super spiritual or something. But what happened, the fruit of this, was that he started um, participating more and more like in the leadership of the church because he was well-respected. And yet his, his wife and children didn't come anymore. And um, in the end, it ended up that there was a parting of the ways when finally he was seeing some things that were off. It, you know, all you can just, you know, sparkly stuff from the sky, and he had an interpretation about it and so forth. And it just, there was just something that seemed a little off is all I can say. But um, the fruit of what happened was there was a parting with the leadership. Um, he got a divorce from his wife. And um, it left a group of people who really were following him, just like the um, Israelites were following the Jewish leaders and not daring to even question if they were right or not. They, they just were assuming that they were, they were right. But yet it left them very devastated, confused. Some of the young families left the church. There was just great hurt and great confusion because there was a lack of discernment. And so even as church and leadership, we need to be asking the Lord for discernment. But also these kind of um, situations, as Jalisa is um, preaching about today, affect our very own individual lives as well. We can be easily misled if we don't um, ask for that gift of distinguishing of spirits, of discernment. And so that's, that's a story to illustrate um, the consequences if we don't. Thank you. So two things. We can see that misconceptions and a lack of discernment without asking for the Lord's guidance can have serious consequences. And also that discernment is not just for the leaders. This is something for everyone. So if we go back to the text, there's something very unique in this text. So previously, whenever Jesus was preaching and teaching, he would preach and teach to the people around, which often was a crowd of people or often was the religious leaders. But in this case, the people are all around, but it says that he turns to his disciples. So the rest can hear, but this is a message specifically for his disciples. Now, why is that in there? So this is a crucial time in Jesus' ministry. He is on his way to the cross, and in just a couple of weeks, he's going to participate in the Last Supper. So as we saw last week, he had just taken leadership from the religious leaders. He had proved them wrong. He was taking this leadership, and he's starting a new kingdom, right, that will be started with his death on the cross. And who's going to lead this new kingdom, this new covenant with God and this new church? It's these disciples. Jesus is turning to them and saying, watch out. Do you see what can happen when you use your own eyes and you don't use the Lord's discernment? We can, we can have serious consequences. Watch out. I need you to seek discernment. I need you to seek the Lord for every decision that you make. You see, this new kingdom and covenant is going gonna, gonna to face a lot of persecution and a lot of hostility. 
As we've seen, the Jewish leaders are not very excited about what's going on, and they're not going to handle this very well. The Roman pagan culture, the ruling culture at the time, is not very excited about this, and there will be persecution from there as well. The enemy is going to try to destroy this new kingdom and new covenant on earth, and it is vital that these disciples are able to discern the true hearts and nature of people that they will both put in positions of leadership, that they will be ministering to. This is crucial. So Jesus is God, right? He is able to understand the true nature of people's hearts. This is why he knows that the religious leaders, their hearts are poisoned and they're dark, and this is how he knows that the widows are of pure heart, right? He sees with God's eyes. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't see that way. I don't think the disciples see that way. But Jesus knows something that the disciples don't know. That when he dies on the cross, his Father God in heaven is going to send down his Holy Spirit to be with the disciples. And that a gift of that Spirit is the gift of discernment. Now, the gift of discernment is a gift that is given freely to the disciples but it's a gift that they have to seek out. But this isn't a gift that's just for the disciples. God sends his spirit for you and I, and he's willing to give us the gift of discernment as well. The Lord has no desire for you and I to be led astray. He's tired of watching us trust the wrong people and get hurt. He's tired of watching us walk into situations that aren't good for us because we're looking through our own eyes and trusting people based on how we decide these things and situations based on what we see instead of asking him to guide us, to give us discernment in helping us to make these decisions. Now I'm going to run through just four little factors to discernment. Okay, So you ask the Lord for discernment, And in using discernment, he has you run through these things in prayer. So when you're making decisions, we need to think about, number one, does the choice that I'm about to make match Scripture? Is this something that is of truth? Is it it of Scripture? Number two, does this choice glorify God? Is this something that he would be honored by? Number three, do my brothers and sisters who also seek discernment in the Lord agree with this decision or where I'm going with this. And number four, does this decision or does this road that I'm walking down bear good and godly fruit? You see, the Lord wants us to seek his leading, and those questions will help us to understand how he views the choices that we're making. He has good plans and a good path for you to walk down, and the only way to walk down that good path is to go the way he calls us to go to practice discernment. Jesus died on this cross so that you and I might have life, that we might have lives worth living, lives that are on that good path that he has for us. And so this morning, as we walk up to the communion table and remember the sacrifice that was made on the cross, let us also remember and be thankful for the gifts that come freely from that sacrifice that the Lord wants to walk alongside of us. He wants to help us make decisions that are healthy and life-giving, and that he wants us to walk down the good path 
that he has for us. Will you pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your sacrifice on the cross. Lord, that you died that we might have life. Lord, we thank you that you have good plans for us and that you want to help us to make decisions that are healthy and that, and that are life-giving, Lord. And we just ask that you show us how to draw near to you, that you bless us with this gift of discernment, and that you help us to seek you in all the decisions that we make in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.